That's awful. My my the worst the best my dad was like make me a a volcano for the science fair and I got a B. <laughs> You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. Welcome to episode 197 of PHP Ugly. I'm your host, Eric, and with me is Tom and John. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Where's our intro? Oh, my God. How many times are you going to ask me that? <laughs> <laughs> Every time until you play it. Is that is that what gets you psyched? Is that what gets you... I still have that... Uh, I still, Where's that other intro I had? Like the, uh, it's about to get ugly. Here we go. Here, here's our other intro. Yep, I can't hear it. Hear nothing. Yeah, you can't, can't you, hear you, that you, because you. I, don't, I don't have that going to loop back. I forgot. Forgot about that. <laughs> uh, professionals, 197. You One, think we'd have this dialed in by now? Not at all. Not even a chance. Not even a little bit. How's everybody doing? Good. Uh, we have a we have a short week this week, so everybody's kind of winding down. Are you guys taking okay. tomorrow off? No. No. <laughs> I have. I, I'm not taking off because I'm working on a project. I have this little flow going right now. I've been doing a bunch of refactoring, and I just don't want to wait until Monday to get back, get started again. So I'm mm. going to I'm going to work some tomorrow just to get this little piece done, but I, I love coding, man. I, what can I say? If I, if I wasn't doing it, I do have to do some coding on our SCPHP site. I noticed there were a couple bugs on there. So I need to, I need to get on there and do, do a little coding, but I am taking tomorrow off. I'm going to hang out with the wife and kids. Go Probably go for a bike ride because we just got the kids new bikes and just kind of relax. Been a crazy week. Yeah. I'm getting pretty excited because we have an internal project we've been working on for a while. And it's getting really, really close to like a, a beta release. And I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> I've made... I'm proud of myself because I made a lot of compromises on this project, but I'm happy where it's at. I, I see a lot of potential and growth for it, but um, I'm excited. Something Something's happening to Diego Dev. That's ours. Something's happening to your dog. Is it okay? And to your sure. desk. You keep banging on your desk. I keep banging on my... I'm a happy guy, man. I'm, this is the guy I am. I'm, I'm a, like one of these guys with the hands that have to wave around. Uh, wave them in the air like you just don't care, just not on your desk. I worked over the weekend, last weekend, on a code quiz. And I'm afraid I might have spent too much time on it. <laughs> I mean, was it too much time because you couldn't figure it out or too much time because you were just having too much fun? I was definitely having too, no, I was definitely having too much fun. Um, I, I, you know, they weren't very specific about what they were looking for outside of it needing tests and a functional API. And I just got into it and I made a view site and I did TDD and I wrote everything out as an API and I got Postman working with it and I have a Postman collection for it and it's very pretty and works very nice. Um, and I submitted it to them 
And then I decided, well, you know, I could do a little more to it too. So I hopped back on it and I got Travis CI working with it. So I got the little Travis badge Mm -hmm. that says build successful or build failed or whatever. And I, I can't understand Travis CI, how they're making money. Like for the work, I couldn't tell you (laughs) for the work that it does. Cause every time I pushed out to the master branch, it spun up two VMs, compiled and built and installed everything, NPM and Composer, and, and then ran all my tests and gave me responses. It's, you know, had, it has a database, a functional database that it writes its stuff into. You can write information into I mean, it's a full-on system. Mm-hmm. And it's two of them because it's 7.3 and 7.2 that I was testing. So it does the whole test for both versions, and it's got mm-hmm. everything that yeah. I... You are using like a free tier or something? I'm using the open source tier because the I wrote it uh. to be just, you know, an MIT licensed thing. It's not really anything important, but like it's doing so much work on this little tiny project every time I pushed out. And they're not asking for like my credit card or anything. I mean, there's like a paid version, mm-hmm. but if you're working but, with open source, it's totally free. I mean, that's that's their hook, right? I mean, they you know, I'm sure if, if it was a private repo, you had to pay, probably pay to use it. And that's who they're going after. You know, they don't. Hmm. But even then, it's yeah, a, they, such a small amount. It's like 50 bucks a month or something. I'm just, I'm amazed at what really, it can if, do. If, if we're going to be promoting products on the show, we need a, we need a kickback. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then after I got it all working. Yeah. So the, the, the lowest tier, which is perfectly good for a business my size or your guys' size is 63 bucks a month. And yeah. it can do deployments too. Mm-hmm. It has built-in deployments for cloud servers, but then you can also do custom deployment scripts and it can SSH it or it's SCP. Basically a, it's basically hosted Jenkins, right? Yeah, but it's better than Jenkins. Jenkins took me forever to try and figure out and get working. And this is just like, oh yeah, create a Travis YAML that says... I need my SQL and then run my program. Mm. Like it's yeah. the, it's so easy. Mm. The I might, I there's so many of those services out there right now too, that do very, very similar things. Yeah. There's scrutinizer is another one I looked at. That's what we were. We, we'd used scrutinizer for a long time. I, mean, I think we're still paying for it. No, nah, I think we, we canceled it. Oh, yeah. I should check that. Okay. I should check that. Yeah. Scrutinizer is well, cool too. Scrutinizer is cool because it, it it also does code analysis and gives you a grade on your mm-hmm. on your uh, your code base so you can watch it change over time. Yeah, I got a uh, ten out of ten on Scrutinizer. It does a uh, code coverage too. I, I assume Travis probably does something similar like that as well. Yeah. Well, with Travis, you don't get like a pretty badge for that. Travis just gives you the one badge for passing or not passing. Hmm. You are all about the badges. Well, yeah, it's a, it's to be impressive. It's for the GitHub repo. <laughs> so, so when do you think you'll hear back from uh, this potential? No idea, really, no idea. It's funny you mentioned Travis. We actually ran into an issue with one of our projects. Uh, the the one that we were working on with the new client, um, we're moving forward with like to the next next step. So it's not still not long term project, but we're just kind of moving to the next step. But um, you know, for our quick kind of deploys and and getting environments spun up for clients to look at, I I had been using a combination of Forge 
to uh, provision the servers on DigitalOcean for us, and then Envoyer to handle the deployment, uh, the zero downtime deployment uh, system. Which I don't know. In hindsight, I'm not even sure why I did do that because I had actually written my own script that did it pretty well. But this allows other team members to go in there and look at it, and I don't have to worry about it. So, but we had always used it for one branch, like the whatever the branch was that the client wanted to see, is what we were what we use it for. Well, this. Now that we're moving to the next stage with this uh, client that we have, we've cr- created three environments, uh, you know, the whole dev staging production environment. Turns out Envoyer isn't smart enough to know how to deploy to separate environments. Look at this. Do you see this? This is, this your, is what I have to put up. Turn your volume up. Okay. <laughs> Frank... Frank, for the record, my volume is where it's at because this is where these guys told me to, to be. So, uh, yeah, I don't have to tell you, man. What issue were you having with Envoyer? So Envoyer, uh, when you create a project, uh, you only have three ways to push to the project uh, or, or to auto-deploy through Envoyer. You can do a manual deploy, which is you log into Envoyer, you hit a deploy button. It will go and grab whatever branch is configured and and deploy it. Um, so we have three projects set up in Envoyer, one for each environment, a staging, a production, and, uh, and uh, staging, production, and dev. Dev, staging, production. So they're all they're separate projects because you have to set them up separately for deployments. Um so you can either manually deploy with a with hitting the deploy button. You can do what what's called a push to deploy, which means whenever that environment, whenever that branch is pushed to, it will automatically deploy. But that is if if you push to that branch, not if you merge into that branch. So if if you open a PR and merge the branch, that's not a push. Oh. So you either have to push to the branch and it will auto deploy, or you can add a webhook, and every time, uh, every time you do a merge, uh, GitHub can fire that webhook. The problem is <laughs> that uh, GitHub doesn't allow you to assign webhooks to branches; it only lets you assign webhooks to the repo and actions within that repo. But you can't you can't get granular to the branch. So we can set the re- we can set a webhook so that every time we merge to one of the branches, it will deploy. And we can actually set three webhooks for one for each project. But then every time any of the branches get merged, all the environments get get deployed, which is how how we discovered the problem actually. Because I thought when when I was looking, I'm like, okay, so Envoy must be smart enough to know that. You know, this repo has three webhooks, three Envoyer webhooks in it. And when it gets hit by that webhook, it must see what branch triggered it and say, okay, this webhook is associated to to this one uh, project, so we'll deploy this one project. But but it's it's not because all three webhooks get hit. And mm-hmm. even and I you know, there's it's clearly not sending the information of what is happening, it's just saying, Hey, 
you know, a merge happen in this repo. No, so no, it, deploy. It, it sends all that data. They're just saying, oh, I got a hit. Let me do my thing. Envoy is right. not, not looking at the payload, it seems. Right. So we basically turned it off for all the uh, all the projects, and we're having to go in and manually, manually deploy, which is a little disappointing. So we might be looking at something else. I don't know. I can was, recommend Travis CI. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that's pretty good. It gives you a cool little badge. Yeah, you get badges. You get badges. Badges are awesome. I can I can tell tell you, uh, Phone Burner uses Jenkins in a very similar fashion. Mm-hmm. So it well, gets as soon that. as you merge. Yeah, as soon as you merge it. But the whole problem with that is you're self-hosting it. You have to set it up. You have to maintain it. It's just such a pain in the ass. So yeah, I'm not using, looking to do that. Using something like Circle CI or Travis CI Scrutinizer might mm. be a better option. Yeah, I'm probably going to look at doing something like that. I don't know. I don't know, man. Or um, I'm sure Envoyer will accept pull requests. <laughs> I'm sure they will. But, you know, why? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. You know, it's it's a paid product. You, know, it's, hey, you guys are already sending payment requests. <laughs> speaking of uh speaking of taylor kind of speaking of taylor i don't know probably for the first time in my coding career i i'm in the majority um taylor sent out a tweet on monday asking how people prefer their models in the uh, app directory or do people create models and i thought for sure that i was the minority. I'm like, yeah, I still create the old models folder because it still makes the most sense to me. I don't want to clutter my app folder with a bunch of models. Turns out I'm not so much a majority or minority as I thought I was. 80% of the people said that they, they use app slash models to, to put all their models in. So it was nice to see. Yeah. But did you, did you see the follow-up to that? I did not. Was there follow-up? Yeah. So Taylor, I figured the follow-up was going to be Taylor just saying, oh, well. <laughs> well, no. So follow-up part one was that Taylor had already created and I believe merged the pull request for it before the voting had ended. Okay. And follow-up number two was he goes and asks people, what do you do if you just have a class, a normal class? Do you put that in the models directory now? And everyone was like, no, you can put it in the app directory. It's just that bottles don't belong in the app directory. What would you have a normal class for that wouldn't have some sort of categorization to well, it? Well, that's what people started. I mean, people started getting on his case about this question. Basically, like, what are you talking about? What kind of class do you not already have a folder for? Laravel has a folder for everything except models. Yeah. And yeah. He, he sort of took a beating in the comments on that one. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't follow that closely. That, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm just thinking of, I mean... Occasionally, I create I create folders for helpers and traits, but and of course the whole repository pattern. But again, those are all folders. I can't think of any time I would ever create a class and just throw it in the apps directory, uh, the apps folder itself. I don't know. Right, I mean, right. It might be, but yeah, I don't know, man. Well, anyways, I think we're up to seven twenty now. Oh man, I need to. Uh, I need to do some patching. Need a patch. Took us Thursday. 
I was supposed to go use the, the last two weeks to upgrade my five dot whatever Laravel app to seven something, and I just can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> I mean, you, what do you mean you can't bring yourself to do Like, you just don't, a, you don't want to see the little birdie leave the nest? I mean, what the hell? No, it just seems like such a pain in the ass. I'm thinking about just it scrapping is. it all together. As like, small as it even, is. It, not even using Laravel. Then, then, then another month down the road, I got to do the same thing. So well, because it, then, then you'll be then you'll be current, and you can just do a composer upgrade. There is such a thing as called composer upgrade. I mean, you okay. can try that. Try that in your existing project. It might actually work. Although back in five, yeah. I don't, routes weren't even in their own folder back then, were they? So, so the uh, Bernie bot or whatever, not Bernie bot. What is the Dependabot? Dependabot, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll only go up to like five something. It, it's, it won't well, it, 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 pro- it probably won't do major releases because it, does, it doesn't want to track backwards breaking changes for you. So it just assumes right. everybody's following Simber and just will go up to a major release. That makes sense. Oh, I would give it a shot. I don't know. What could it hurt? My pride. <laughs> I don't have any... The other problem is I don't have any tests around that code, so my my goal for the past two weeks was upgrade Laravel, add tests, get some sort of CI around it. But then you did none of that. Happen. Then other <laughs> things happen. You, you just on on phone calls for hours on end. Yeah, that's yeah. always fun. I we we uh, this week did sprint planning for the next six weeks, right? And we got into discussions around a couple of topics where I was just turning my camera off and being like, just shaking, like what the, like going crazy. Because in the time we had the discussion, I could have written the code that needed to be written. It was <laughs> so frustrating. Such simple topics. One of them was around that they want to change buttons in this piece of code. And the mock-up they got from a designer showed this button with a green gradient switching to a checkbox, mm. which which is fine until you think, well, what if there's an error condition, which in the current code base isn't handled at all right now. Either it's just ignored or other things happen. It's a horribly written jQuery JavaScript uh, spaghetti nightmare, but they want this gradient. And my point was, if you just want some sort of like a, some sort of representation that you click the button, something is happening the industry standard is an ajax spinny thing right right ajax ajax spinner some sort of three dots and Mm -hmm. the product the product person got on was like absolutely not that doesn't drive happiness so we we want (laughs) we we want to delight our customers marie Kondo. so i want this green box then everybody else is like okay but we can't do a progress indicator because we don't have this idea of any sort of progress so we're going to see this green bar go across the button, but what happens? It gets to the end, and then what? We don't have a response. I mean, mm-hmm. 99% of the time, you click the button, you move on. You're, like, you're not even going to see right. this animation. The animation is going to happen so fast, you're not going to see it, or we'll start it and stop it. In those rare cases where you click the button and it takes two to three seconds because something else is happening, how are you displaying the this progress bar? What happens? You you just show the checkbox and then it just sits there and you're waiting it, mm-hmm. and there was there's just no answers, but at the same time it was the whole idea around this 
showing the boxes was being over-engineered. It's like, we're making an Ajax call. Just before it, you start the animation in the callback, the success or failure callback, stop the animation. It's not that hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was actually just sharing with John. uh, Actually, Tom. I was just sharing with Tom before you jumped on, John, that I've been spending, uh, I spent most of today refactoring code that uh, another developer had developed. And it's just, it, it, it was weird. It was, it was like one of these things where, you know, I, I, I didn't stumble onto the code. I, I, I knew that the project manager had somebody else working on a different section of the code, but I had made a check. I had made a change that touched their code that would, would have impact impacted their code. And I went in there and started looking at it. I'm like, wait, no, this is not how I do any of this. Why? Why are they doing it like this? I, I, I feel violated <laughs> because because the project is like ninety percent of the code is code I wrote. And there's a little bit that a couple of other developers wrote, and, and I have I've I've never spoken to this other developer. I, I, I'm not even sure who they are. I, I was like uh, I was like, hey, uh, yeah, I, I'm not happy with this. This is not making me. I'm very frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to continue receiving my services, you're gonna upgrade your your staff there. Yeah, it's been it's. I I love coding. I think I mentioned that. I'm not gonna get on that that big ring. What else we got going on? Anything good? Anything good? I got I got a ton of things in my Trello board. Oh, I did have something. Oh, Wait. you know what I did did run into? I actually wanted your input on this, Thomas. John, feel free to, to step in here. So, so I have been guilty of, and I've used this on the last three or four projects. It was this recent project I was working on where it really bit me in the ass. Um, so I, I, I write a lot of uh, API consumption jobs. So I'll hit an API, I'll get information, and I'll, you know, I'll normalize the data or whatever, and I typically do stuff with it. Uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll just dump it into a database, which is what I'm doing on, on this project now. And because of the way the, the workflow is set up, I never know if the record I'm getting is a new record, an established record, uh, what you know what it is. So I've gotten so used to um, uh, update or create. So Eloquent has this, has this method you can update or create. You can say, Update or create. If you find, you know, the ID, the this ID, then update the record with with the following information. If you if you don't find it, then create the record. And I, I've used this a ton. It works well. I mean, for for that for that purpose, it works really well. What I've discovered is that that doesn't work on pivot tables, though. <laughs> so. So the, these these records I have coming in, we, we we're breaking them out into different tables now, and we're creating these pivot tables. So again, in Laravel, it's pretty simple. When I do my update or create, I create an object, and then I say, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, attach this uh, this uh, ID from this other table to this object," and that gets put into the pivot table, and that was. I don't know why in my head I thought the pivot table would that that call that attach 
would automatically say, oh yeah, I already have this pair. I already have this definition in my in my table. I'm not going to create it again. Oh, but so that, it was it was a, attaching it twice. It was putting two records in there. Depends on how many times I ran the job. John, <laughs> two, three, four times. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm surprised, uh, I'm surprised with the the pivot table that it's not a unique key. Like it couldn't. Well, so should... I could have made it. I could have made a unique key combination in the migration, and I did it because I didn't want it breaking on the import. And, uh, and quite honestly, I just assumed because and I'm still I still think about it. It's like, OK, what edge case would you either a want that to happen, the duplication or b want a hard fail there? Like in my head, I'm just thinking, wouldn't wouldn't that case always be, oh, hey, I already have this combination in my pivot table. There's no need for me to create it again, and I'm not going to give you an error because it's what you wanted. So you already have this this pivot record. We'll just move on. I, I don't think, think that's my... a, I don't think that's a use case. I think that that's just an incorrect usage. Well, that, that, so well, wait, wait. What do you mean incorrect usage? What I'm saying? Yeah, because I, think... I, I I'm wondering if if that wouldn't be a good effort to do a PR for for it's, Laravel. It sounds like it might be a bug for create or insert or update or insert. Well, no, because this is not even created to update or insert. Update and insert just creates that first record. Then right. he's, made, so he's doing that, two calls. You're doing create or update and then attach. Right. So exactly. That, so I, I, let's say user, I do, I create an object called user where I do create an update to the user table. I do an object called uh, tags where I do a creator update in the tags and users have tags. So then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, do a user attach tag sort of call later, and there's there's a there's a workaround for this. I actually I actually had to create an if statement that says, "Hey, if object contains you know whatever the relationship is, uh, don't do that." I, I, that's how I had to do it. So, so I, here's the thing about just, contains. Said, Go ahead. You need to know this. Everyone needs to know this. Contains queries the entire relationship. And checks the resultant array set for a matching value. Why is so that, that's that's what I want, though. <clears throat> no, but if I have, I, if if I have, for example, today, a user with nine million records in a relationship, and I want to see if it contains a number thirty, it fetches all nine million into memory. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, that yeah, that that would be a contains, that would be a problem of scale. This, no, this, it, not... it, it's a problem of not understanding and not anticipating because people don't understand that it, with eloquent, everything else is so nicely implemented into MySQL. contains is not part of MySQL. It is a PHP in memory function and it should not be written the way it is. Mm. Well, it's, it's how I worked around this because I couldn't think of any way, any other way to do it without checking to see if the, if the relationship already, already exists. Right. And then, you know, doing it. So, I mean, it, it works. And and for the use case I'm using for the, the, the relationship, all these relationships are pretty small. Like the most the relationship will have are two to five relationships. So it's not it's not like any one object's going to have, in your scenario, like a million relationships. So that's but what you think now. That's a good point. It's, I, I was going to say, it's, good, it's, a, it's definitely a, something you have to keep in mind. 
of with scale. But I'm wondering yeah, so if the, I should take the, a look at that attach and see if I can't figure out a better way of doing that. The, the I can't better think way of a use case. The better way for doing contains is you call the relationship as a method, not as a magic property, and then you say where in, and you have the IDs you're looking for, and then you count them. You get a positive, you get a true or false out of it. Well, that's what contains gives you now, though, isn't it? But contains dumps everything in the memory first, and then checks the array for the ID. If you do, mm. if you extend it as a query, then you just further build out the query. I mean, yeah, I, I could, I could. I I could be very specific and do a DB, you know, colon colon of that table and and see if that if that key combination exists. Yeah. So, I I mean, yeah, they're they're, they're if that's really concerned. I could do that, but I still feel like I still feel like I can't think of a good reason why attach just wouldn't have that as its default behavior. Well, attach attach creates the pivot record. That's what I know, but. Why would it create the pivot record if the pivot record already exists? Like it should check. It should check to see. Hey, does this pivot record exist? No. Okay. No, no, great. because that's sync. I can attach yeah. ten of the same thing to a user model. Oh shit! I forgot about sync. But sync, Maybe you have to know. What... You have to know all of the IDs that you want to sync. Otherwise, it's going to delete all the other tags. Right. <clears throat> There's also that's, a. That's fine. I, I, ha- I have that. <clears throat> There's also an attach if doesn't exist. I believe. Attach if missing. Oh, I have to look at that. Okay, that would that would be cool if that's there. Attach attach if miss attach if missing. Really? Is that so I saw something like <clears throat> ah sync without detaching. That's what it is. There's a method what? called sync without detaching, and you can add an ID at any time if the ID doesn't already exist. Oh, there you go. That's what you want. That's probably what I want. Uh, sync makes more sense. I always forget about sync. Sync is actually a better way of doing it anyways. Yeah. But sync without uh, detaching is the same as attach unique or whatever you would want to call it. All right. More refactoring for me. I, I got refactoring te- chores out the yin yang, <laughs> man. So I'm, I, I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. See, that's why yeah. I, that's why I bring it up, man. That's the, a good the, one. the use case here is if I go to the library and check out a book, my lot my history of books I've checked out adds that book. If I return it and then a month later check it out again, it's the same book. I get the same attach, but it's a different created at date. So I have a an actual log of the same book being checked out. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't even use date. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not even using created that, updated that, or even an ID on my pivot table. I, have, I very much have to. So it, okay. so then you're you're using soft deletes, I assume, on those attachments? No. The, then that doesn't make sense, your example there. It's not getting detached. Like it, let, Let's say it was a, an event sourcing oh, style log. Gotcha, gotcha. There's an attach event, a detach event, or a, a checked in and checked out action. I, I use pivot tables a ton because I deal in digital content. So when a user wants to favorite something, that's an attachment. When a user wants to, I don't know, view something, add it to a list, send it to somebody else, we everything we do is pivot tables. Mm-hmm. And and we have to display that data back to the user in the order that in the inverse order that they added things. So here's your actions. So we have to use dates as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had 
And something fun happened uh, over. It happened over last week, and then I got the results on Monday. I guess uh, I got a I got a phone call. My mom, who is well in her seventies, because I'm well in my fifties, and you know she's my mother, so do the math. But she's well well into her seventies, and she has decided that she wants to finish her master's degree. So I, I'm pretty sure she has a bachelor's. Um, and, and this is something she's piecemealed together her entire life. I, re- I remember when I was in elementary, middle school, her going to night classes to get her either her, her associates or her, her, her bachelor's. I, I forget, but this has been a light lifelong <laughs> effort for her. And, and she's getting close to getting her master's and she's in. Um, so her, her kind of, focus of study is is medical medical stuff so she's been in the medical field for year years uh, medical records mainly and uh she was in a class for uh medical technology and she was given an, an assignment and she was allowed to reach out to industry professionals for input on this assignment and it was basically this okay you have five components of, of a medical uh, workflow from when a patient checks in to seeing a doctor to going to get labs to a patient checking out, you know, all these components. You know, what sort of technology uh, would you put towards this so that you could track this patient and when the patient goes to check out, the, the facility knows how much to bill the patient. And, you, you know... Is this why your I, mom's been calling me so much? No, she she went on another date with you. She was oh, telling okay. me how happy, how much she she enjoyed herself the last time. You might be my dad. I'm not sure. <laughs> the numbers don't lie. <laughs> but so I she reached out so to me confused. because if you're confused, listening she, to this, I am too. Don't worry. She knows. You know, she knows this is like my field. So what do I do, man? I hit her with like, oh yeah, okay, so. She's like, okay, so we already know who the patient is because a patient gets a medical ID. So we we don't have to worry about that. I'm like, ah, yes. But everything that happens to that patient, every request that has to be fulfilled for that patient, you have to track for billing purposes. How are you tracking that? She's like, well, I don't know. We would just say this patient went and got lab work done. I'm like, yeah, but how do you track that lab work? So I'm like, I hit her with UUIDs. I hit her with state oh. machines. I, I, I'm like, okay, so now you have the lab, but that lab, everything has a state. Like, you know, is the blood being drawn? Is the blood being tested? Is the is the test completed? Everything has a state. <laughs> so you need a state machine. And you need to know who's touching what and when. So you need event sourcing. It's called event Let, sourcing. You know, and then- long story short, he's out of the will now. So she calls she calls me on uh Monday. Actually, I think it was Tuesday she calls me. She's like, Hey, yeah, I just want to let you know I got a hundred percent. My instructor said she's never seen anything like this before. I went above and beyond anything anybody ever did. (laughs) (laughs) She was so she was so giddy. She was like, this is the best grade I have ever gotten in my life. This is fantastic. I, I've never, you know, I guess the instructor was like just showering her with, with all these praise of how well she thought about the process and like the UUIDs, you know, that's how he gets people. It's like, how do you know this, this, uh, this lab belongs to this patient? You didn't, you didn't do this correctly. You have no way of, of connecting those two. 
I'm like, yeah, you know, hey, it's what I do. <laughs> That's awful. My my the worst the best my dad was like make me a a volcano for the science fair and I got a B. <laughs> Pour a beer down it real fast and watch it foam yeah. over. You didn't do you didn't do the whole baking soda thing. You just like just pour beer in there really quick. Just shake it up a little bit. It's, it's yeah. experiments on the child's response to a quickly raised hand. <laughs> it's a three part foam core board display. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's the first time I, I I actually feel like that's probably the first time my mom like realizes I kind of know what I'm doing. Like I'm pretty good at what I do. You know, I have, I have an understanding. She finally gave you her approval. Yeah. They've been seeking your entire life. And yeah, now he's in the will. <laughs> yeah, that, that was fun. I thought that was really fun. So I, I told her, I'm like, I want, the, I, I want the paper. Cause she actually had to write all this up. I'm like, I, I want the paper. I want it. <laughs> I, wa- I want to see how you interpreted what I told you. It's my grade. That's my grade. <laughs> You're gonna stick it on the fridge. Yeah. His mom Absolutely. already did that. Um, yeah. no, no, since he had a he had a, a positive mom story, I'm gonna give a negative mom story real quick, just because I'm so annoyed oh, no. and I want sh- oh, to. Oh boy, this. I need to. I need to get. You've this got the chest. best ones. Does it start with Facebook? Yes, it always starts with Facebook. Isn't that where they all start? I mean, oh, seriously. yeah. So <laughs> my mom posts today, we have a BLM demonstration in our little city today. Sad face. Sad face? Why, why the sad face? So my sister responds, and what's wrong with that? To which I follow up with, awesome, we took the boys... To one in our town, enchanted. <laughs> it was a very moving experience for all of us. So powerful. So you fed the troll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, oh, I assume she doesn't agree with that with the whole thing. She does not. Sorry, <laughs> but the BLM upsets me. All lives matter. Yep. <laughs> and she went on and on about some other things, and I'm like, you just don't. You don't get it. You don't understand. I shared with Eric a very personal story. I mean, I I shared it on my on my personal blog, so it's not like it's private. But I don't know I what your personal blog is. I haven't posted it on. <laughs> I haven't posted on uh, social media anywhere. I just I got some stuff off my chest, shared it with Eric. But it just goes to show the the, the relationship there, and it's not good. <laughs> not good. Yeah. Yeah, families are tough. You, you you don't get to pick your family, unfortunately. You get you can pick your business partner, but you can't pick your family. Sometimes you regret that too, right? <laughs> Straight for the throat. I don't say anything. I don't. Re- I don't that. regret it. I don't. Yes, he does do. all the time. Never all the time. Let's I talk couldn't, about some I could not do this without you. PHP. No PHP. No, no PHP. What about what about what's bad news in PHP? Good news in PHP. Um, All right. We've talked about Alpha One coming out, and an interesting thing happened today. Alpha One got another change added, another RFC added to it. So the next Alpha will not be backwards compatible with the previous Alpha. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Why is this good news? I'm I'm sorry. What am I missing? Um. So the attributes 
functionality oh, that was added. This. The attribute functionality that was added to PHP 8 uses uh, double less than attribute double greater than. Oh, right. I did see I did see somebody post about this. Yeah. yeah. So so a bunch of people were like, well, listen, this that's a problem because uh, it's Stupid. verbosity <laughs> is too hard to read. You don't know which way it should be written. The nested attributes don't make sense. Um, and it looks like generics, which if you're in another language, yeah, that's generics. That's true. Plus, plus save it for generics when we finally get it. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so the RFC came out to make it double at, at, at. Right. That's what I saw. Yeah. And it's just a leading at, at, it's not a closing at, at, mm-hmm. uh, and the RFC passed 50 to eight and is hugely successful. And it's going to be in alpha two. What did the cool. eight, why, what eight and why did they vote against it? What was the reasoning behind it? Do you know what? You don't get that from the votes. I would no, have to I, look I, at I internals. I was just curious, like, what's the argument against that? We had a we had a discussion uh, about it today okay. on a on a call, and one of the developers has a very strong Java background. It was upset that it was at at, not just at. And then you had to explain, well, PHP uses at as error suppression, so there's already right. a usage <laughs> for it. You can't. It, it would have been too confusing. You know, there's also someone brought up foreign language keyboards where some things are harder to type than others. Hey, listen, don't, t- don't talk to me about hard to type keyboards. Okay. If I can type it on this, you can type it on whatever keyboard <laughs> you're using in your okay. country. You just did it again though. You just, you just lifted up your keyboard and said this, which you ended up having to cut an entire segment from last week's episode <laughs> because of. I cut like 20 minutes of our show last week, John, of you talking about your Advantage 2 Kinesis keyboard, which I just lifted up and showed to the camera. And had I not said that this is an Advantage 2 Kinesis keyboard so that people can who might be curious and listening to the audio podcast can look up to see what I'm talking about. But we talked for like 20 minutes about your you abandoning your... Advantage 2 Kinesis keyboard last week, and we never talked about the keyboard. You just, you showed it in, in the camera right. to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm listening to the podcast. I'm like, you know, as I'm editing it, I'm like, you know what? That doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? <laughs> <laughs> so our podcast that ran about an hour and a half last week got cut down to like 50 minutes. <laughs> uh, I haven't gone back uh, to it yet. But I have to to try and make the transition next time easier. I've been trying to force my fingers over a full key as I'm typing, mm-hmm. and that is so difficult. My my fingers are so programmed for the the cursor movement in Vim a certain way. Mm-hmm. Trying to move that off by a full key is just so. I still uh, I still hover on my keyboard which is very uncomfortable with this Kinesis keyboard. And I have to continuously stop, put my fingers back down. And it's so comfortable when I'm in this position and when I'm typing. And I, I've my typing has, has is it keeps getting better and better every week. I, I still have these edge weird behaviors that I'm used to. And I'm still having to find certain key combinations uh, that I don't actually remember. But... Uh, but for the most part, like just general typing, 
I'm uh, so much nicer now. It's so, and I so I'm so happy I'm a Vim user because it's life is so good for me. Um, yeah, the Kinesis keyboard. I'm I'm getting over the hump. I'm I'm getting over the hump, so I'm happy. I'm happy awesome. with it. Uh, going back to that PHP eight, I also heard I haven't gone and verified it all, but there is a PHP eight Docker container available, so you can start testing now. I believe, actually, that the Docker container is part of the build process for any version of PHP now. Is so it? you can, yeah, so you yeah. can. But what he's talking about is a, a it's a pre-built Docker container with eight. So what you're talking about, Thomas, if I'm not mistaken, is if you want to contribute to the, the core, there's actually a build system that's a, the Docker container that will build it from source and allow you to run Docker. And yes, you're, you're right with that was actually one of the topics. And I don't know if I don't even remember if that made the article in PHP architect or not, but that was actually one of the topics we talked about when I talked about the maintain, when I talked with the maintainers. So I thought that, <clears throat> that Docker hub got a push for a new Docker container when an official release was made. In May, I think in that's, May. that's what's, I think that's what John's referring to, right? But so that's so that's he, the PHP eight container, right? But Thomas is, is is bridging the two, saying once they push PHP the the new source, it auto builds a new container and pushes it up to Docker Hub. Yeah. Oh, so probably, you're saying it's, yeah. you're saying it's maintained by them and makes it's available as soon as the code is available. Yeah, as soon as there's a pre-release or anything like that. Huh. Well, that's good to know. But anyway, so you, John, should, you you could start testing in your local environments now. John, so I John want you to it. talk about a, 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 an article you brought up this week because we talked, I think, last week or the week before how uh, one of my kids had a little brush with TikTok uh, fame. Or, Heard about or that. Popular. Yeah. And then John shared, uh, I think, was it you that shared this article with me? Yeah. Or? yeah, I shared it with you and I saw it on your, on your Trello board. Um, I haven't gone too much in depth into what actually happened other than somebody took the time to reverse engineer what it's, the TikTok app is doing and they are tracking so much information. And the, the, I mean, one of the key components to this for me is that in, this is not unique to TikTok, but probably more severe with TikTok is these are not U.S. based companies. These are not these are not companies that fall under regulations and and laws in the U.S. TikTok is China based, right? That I don't, I didn't read. I, I believe, but I believe, I, I believe it said it was it was China based, and uh, yeah, I forget, I forget all. It's, when I when I read this article, and it'll be in the show notes, it's called "Guy Who Reverse Engineered TikTok Reveals the Scary Things He Learned." Advises people to stay away from it. I'll uh, I'll put this in the show notes, uh, but yeah, it was. Terrifying. I had to uninstall it because one, it's it's a time sink, just like Facebook and any other social media. You just find yourself like scrolling endlessly through crap, and then I noticed all of a sudden my battery was just being drained so quick. So <laughs> I have an interesting uh, input on this. I, iOS fourteen added a feature that raised a lot of eyebrows with people. And it's part of how this TikTok story broke. iOS 14 has a little notification pop-up now when an app reads your clipboard. 
Ah, that's interesting. And some people installed iOS 14, and the notification pop-ups just wouldn't go away. And I believe TikTok was one of the apps that was reading your clipboard every couple seconds. No kidding. Yeah. That, that, that's creepy. That is scary. Yeah. That's yeah, that's that's scummy as hell. I I want that in, in the Android. I wonder if Android has that. I, I've never not. I've never seen that notification. You would have to root your Android for that. I mean, yeah. I can see certain applications would have would, would like like password applications that uh, will automatically delete the password from your clipboard after a certain amount of time. I can see you know legit use cases there, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Certain things should never be touching a clipboard. Yeah. Wow. Well, writing writing to your clipboard should always be generally okay, but reading from your clipboard should be a system operation. There's no reason mm-hmm. any app should just be reading your clipboard. That's mm-hmm. that's an out of app system call. And yeah, it's it, it scared a lot of people really fast and TikTok came up in all of that. Interesting. That's, I didn't want to hear that. I mean, I, I, I don't. I've never even installed it. My when when my kid had her her little uh, flirt with fame on it, I went to the website and and would see see it. I can definitely see how it's one of those you know time leeches where you you lose track of how long you've been looking at it. But yeah, that's not for me. Not not my world, man. You see, I don't have to put doom and gloom up on the boards anymore because I just wait for you guys to bring it up, and I've I've already read everything about it. <laughs> I, I do want to I do want to mention because we've had it on the board for the last couple of weeks. Actually, the article we have on the board is is not even really relevant anymore. But uh, people have asked why I haven't talked about it, and uh, quite frankly. We keep forgetting to talk about it. It's just not that interesting. But um, we had a uh, early access to Hey, the new Hey Mail or Hey dot com or oh yeah the the new way that the new way to manage email. And uh, John, did you uh, did you ever set up your account and use it? I set it up, but it's it's useless until I can have a custom domain. I'm not going to start using my hey.com email address. I'm just right. not. So you can't, the, the, one of the limitations John's referring to is you can't send as. So in Google right. and, and just about every other email application, you can send as and then associate it with another email address that you typically have to do some sort of verification process for. Through. And uh, hey.com doesn't have that right now. There, there, um, there are some features in that I saw in the video that I thought were very interesting. They are... Workflows that you could implement in any other mail client with with some sort of uh, with folder structure or tag structure, or some other discipline. Filters, good filters, yeah. Yeah, but you have to be disciplined in doing it that they are making kind of more automatic. Like well, like- and that that was one of my hangups with it. I I, I am a, a long time. Anybody who's listened to the show knows I hate email. And uh, I won't, um, I won't check email. Like I'll, I'll go in a day or two and not even check email. I, I think it's a terrible way to communicate. Now, over the years, I have actually built a very 
solid workflow in my email system. And we use Google. Uh, we have a Google domain, so we use Google by default. Now, I do subscribe to a service. Uh, it's not a cheap service. And the reason I subscribe to it is because of all these other services, and I've tried a lot of them. This one has worked best. And I'm saying this, and now I can't I can't remember what the service is called. It's called uh, SaneBox. SaneBox. S-A-N-E-B-O-X. Uh, I signed up for SaneBox a couple of years ago. It actually implements a lot of the workflows that Hey.com does. Uh, and it takes a little training. I think I think it took me about a week or two to train the same folders. But now, and in, in for a long time now, I know that when I go to my box, when I go to when I go to Gmail, if there's any if there's any emails in my inbox, I will I will read them. I will read them right then and there. And typically, there's never more than three or four a day in my inbox. Uh, I have I have three folders I look at, the inbox, which will, like I said, ha- has an average of three or four emails a day. What's called a sane later box, which is, hey, these are emails you probably want to look at, you know, within a day or two, but you don't have to worry about. And there's a sane news box, which is just, hey, here's all your newsletters, here's all your blah blah blahs. Uh, look at it whenever. Nothing in here should be time sensitive. And those three folders have changed my email experience for the last last year and a half. Um, and that methodology is pretty much what Hey.com does. So it is, it's kind of a bulky UI. And as much as I tried to train my Hey.com, it really didn't work. And the biggest thing you have to do is every email that comes in for the first time you have to explain to hey, you know how you want to handle that an email from this address, and that is just way too. There's just too much training going on there. I, same box did it for me pretty quickly, pretty easily. I didn't have a problem with it. I don't even remember it being that that intrusive, but like I said, it's been a couple of years for me now. Um, but yeah, to John's point, you know. There are there's there's some other niceties. Somebody's asking if if it was just a glorified UI wrapper. It has nothing to do with Gmail at all. It, it is its mm-hmm. own service that they are offering. Uh, the the whole stack thing they have going was intriguing. The You can quickly run through your mail and I'm going to reply later, reply later. So that at some point in time when you want to just sit down and reply to all your email, you can just do it real quick. Again, all the stuff you can do with some other discipline. But there were there were a couple of UI things that I liked about it. One thing I liked, and again, to your point, you, you could probably do it with tags as well. But hey, made it pretty simple. Is you could say, hey, this email, this email, this email, even though they're separate emails, yeah. even though they have separate uh, subjects, these are all related to the same project. And so, hey, uh, you know, hey.com would start to say, okay, you know, here's another email for that project stack. It's, I'm having that with the latest project we have right now. I've got so many emails with the client that when I go to look for something, I'm like clicking through all the emails where it'd be nice to group them all together and be able to just kind of scroll through. Yeah, just add, just add a tag. That's that's what I do with a lot of our projects. I, I'll add, or, or clients at least. 
I'll, I'll typically have a DDD, a DD slash dash client dash client name tag. And I'll set up filters and say, hey, anything that comes from this domain, it goes to this client, you know, add this client label to it. And that makes it, makes that process easier. Kind of the same thing, but not exactly what Hey was yeah. doing. Yeah. All right. We've already spent too much time on that. Hey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we lost Thomas. That's Thomas funny. got bored. Yeah. Thomas got bored. He's like, I'm out of here, man. I'm sorry, Thomas. Do we do we bore you, Thomas? No. But it it just feels to me like somebody making a really nice paid gopher app. We moved on from hey, but now now you have me curious. What I was gone for five mean? seconds. That's really that's all it takes in this show. <laughs> we were like in a car. Squirrel. Do you remember, do you remember the Gopher protocol? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's dead. It's long dead. And okay. to me, somebody somebody making like a somewhat hacky, very corporate rewrite of an email client, a web based email client, feels like. What are you doing? Why are you wasting your time on this? I, I disagree. There's there's got to be a change to email. There's got to be some rethink of it, and and they're trying, and I I applaud them for it. it. They're trying, but email, I mean, fundamentally doesn't do what it was supposed to do. Maybe Usenet. There are some great Usenet clients. Usenet has a, a huge number of features that are untapped. Maybe start rolling out custom Usenet servers for internal discussions on stuff, or... So you want to hear a crazy idea? Sure. Uh, I don't want lame ideas, which, hey, is a lame idea. And the moment it was announced, everyone rolled their eyes and went, I'll try it. (laughs) When um, Who was the MTV guy who started the whole podcast craze? I mean, there was no podcast. There was no podcasting. There was was none of that. Uh, And he was like one of the first ones that was like, uh, that I knew of. Who uh, was Adam Carolla? Adam Carolla. That's right. Good, good call, Frank. Jesus, Frank. Frank in Discord. Frank coming in for the save. YouTube. He's not in Discord. Oh, YouTube. Yes. Uh, so he, you know, he was like on on the forefront of creating podcasts, and you know, it was it was going to be the new internet radio and all that. And my whole thing was no, no, no. What it should be is the new email, like. Think about your family subscribing to like services for each other, and that's how you communicate. Like you don't send emails; you you just do quick little you know recordings, and then you know because now your mom doesn't have to learn how to set up an email or anything. They just know to click on this link, and they can see if they have any messages for from you know Tommy Boy, and they click it, and they don't have to read it or anything. Tommy is there talking to them, and and maybe even video and. I always thought that but people did try that. Oh, really? See, I always thought that was going to be like that whole RSS feed podcasting thing. We were going, that was going to replace email. Like nobody's going to write an email anymore. Why write an email? You can just do these quick little, Hey, uh, just wondering if you had a chance to work on that project. And you know, you just subscribe to these different channels and 
I always thought that was going to be a good idea, but I was wrong. Well, there was stuff like real audio, and they were trying to push that kind of thing. I mean, you start going back into the late 90s, there were a bunch of people trying to push that kind of tech. But it, it's imagine if Twitter was built on top of the, the SMTP protocol. I mean, that's what Hey is trying to do. They're trying to say, hey, the protocol's fine, but uh, the feature set's missing. It's like, well, then the protocol's not fine. The protocol doesn't support the feature sets. You know, uh, read receipts is the well, perfect example because read receipts, you can enable it, but no one's going to follow it. Well, that's the, that's the thing. And they're not even addressing the real issue with email, the security aspect of it. And there's nothing, there's nothing about hey.com that's any more secure than just regular email. Right. Well, so, and I mean, even, even better, there's a lot of advancements made in email about having to digitally sign stuff, having double opt-in procedures, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff to catch spam. But now, instead of spam, I have a thousand emails over the last two years from one company telling me what their daily deals are or what their, their uh, forum breakdown for the day is. And mm-hmm. there's no system in place to say, hey, these emails expire after 24 hours and the next one is the one that's important. So Sane has that, by the way. Oh my gosh, yeah. Sane has folders that have that anything that goes in that folder has an expiration date on it. Sure, but and that should be part of the protocol. If, I if totally I'm sending, agree with you. If I'm sending yeah. someone a receipt, it should have a receipt meta tag on it and the client says... I received a receipt. I'm going to store it in a permanently archived location and not bother you with it. Mm. Uh, or, you know, email actually has a high priority flag. Did you know that? Like part yeah, of the SMTP yeah, yeah. protocol. But no one's used it since 98. Because everybody, when everybody was using it. <laughs> making everything high priority. Right. So, like, we've, we've built an entire ecosystem out of something that was not meant to be an ecosystem. And it's mm-hmm. ended up looking exactly like the junk mail in your mailbox every day, except that you receive 400 of them a day instead of three. Mm-hmm. And my, my wife, mailbox. my wife ran out of space on her Google account. And I told her, Hey, did you know you've got 50,000 unread emails? She oh. goes, she goes, yeah. Is that a lot? I'm like, that's a lot. That's a lot of unread emails. Cause you've got a hundred thousand read emails. Like, the the protocol itself is fundamentally flawed. There was a time where Bill Gates was talking about, you know, one cent to send an email and that didn't pan out because cryptocurrency didn't exist and there was no way to properly bind into it. But now the tech is moving in a forward direction. You don't you can create an SMTP bridge to your new fangled system and handle that with a much stricter control, but there's no reason to stick with email. Email sucks. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. So it's the, what we said when you stood up was We've talked too much about this already. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's the least mature of the currently used protocols. All right. So earlier, I, I talked about helping my mom with uh with her her paper. Last week, we talked about uh, pie hole, and I mentioned, you know, that's a pretty good good idea. I I should do some testing with pie hole, and pie hole is this. A DNS service you can run on a Raspberry Pi that will automatically block a bunch of ads and, and things like that. So I thought, well, you know, I, I, I should test that. And if it works, I would love to put one of those out at my mother's house because she's very bad. She 
I mean, she's one of those people that had like four toolbars in her browser back in the day, or five toolbars in her browser back in the day. She clicks everything. Bonsai buddy. Yeah. So, uh, so I did some testing with my Raspberry Pi four, which I don't even know where I have that at right now. But, um, and I'm like, hey, this works really well. But like a Raspberry Pi four, I don't even think you need that. So, check it out. I ordered a Pi Zero. And this thing rocks. I put I put pie hole on it. Um, the only problem is, uh, so it has Wi-Fi. So I did the testing over Wi-Fi, uh, but it doesn't have a network connection. So I ordered a micro USB uh, network adapter for it. Um, but it works so well. It was so easy to install and so easy to configure. I think I'm going to put it here in the house. Like I have, I have two. I have this one, and then I have another one. And I've I've already imaged this this uh, little drive that I have this this uh, this memory drive I have I've already imaged it so I can just blow it down on this other one, and these things freaking fantastic man. I mean even over Wi-Fi it was working pretty well, um, but I I want to hard I want to hardwire it so I don't have to because I'm not gonna I mean here at the house I wouldn't worry too much about it but. At my mom's house, I don't want to have to worry about it, so I'm gonna hardwire it to their network. But dude, Raspberry Pi Zero, man, Pi Hole, do it! It's awesome. I'm, I'm I'm putting this one at the house. I mean, there's just I can't. I, I have no good reason not to do it. I, I, I don't have to worry about. I mean, my wife my wife plays all those games on her phone, and they're littered with ads. So I'm kind of curious of how much it catches. It catches most uh, game ads. Yeah, I yeah. I do. I run it on my. I run a mini version of Piehole on my Android mm-hmm. called uh, Blockada, mm-hmm. um, and it very successfully blocks ads on everything. Yeah, I was happy, and the interface is written in PHP, so it changes your your DNS on all your machines that connect to your Wi-Fi to it, and then it connects to. So it's it's connected to it. Ha- it has the. DNS assigned to it, uh, so I I I'll, I just configure it for uh, Google's DNS. That's actually a step in the configuration process. It says, okay, what DNS service do you want me to use? And I just right. set it up for Google Google D- DNS. So um, if you do that, you don't get the best stuff. Um, I use AdGuard DNS. I don't remember if AdGuard was one of them. Uh, it had like five. I was I was actually looking for the one. I was hoping they had the one from. Um, What's the uh, one 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 one? Cloudflare. Uh, Cloudflare. Yeah, I was hoping they had that one, but if it, if they did, I didn't recognize the name. Like I said, they had about four or five of them from the list. So, so to answer your question, John, that has that DNS, and then what you do is you go to your Wi-Fi and say, okay, any you know automatic DNS settings you dish out, you know, give them the pie hole. IP address. So you give the Pi-hole a static IP. Um, now, of course... like And Pi-hole has a lookup log, too. So you can see what has been looked up and block mm-hmm. and, and blacklist or whitelist the domains. Right. And like I said, that whole interface is written in PHP, which is... I, I want to get in there and take a look at that and see uh, if they're using any frameworks or anything. But, uh, so, but like you and I, it, uh, or I assume you still have yours configured manually to use Google. So ours would actually bypass 
the bot the pie hole because I don't get DNS automatically assigned to my laptop. Right. But my wife does. My wife's phone, my wife's You computer. can still do it. You could actually uh you could do a MAC address spoof. What do you what do you mean? Uh because it's acting as part of your well, actually you'd have to do that through your router. Right. In your in your router you can spoof the MAC address of an IP. And so if someone does try to use a custom DNS, it'll still route to Pi-hole. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I never never thought much about it. So I'm sure, I'm sure I, if you I'm, got it in the middle, you could also route anything going out to port 53. You could redirect it. There's lots you could that's do. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I'm 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 actually very stoked about it. I I was I'm really happy about it. I I'm looking forward to get my little. I was hoping to have my little network adapter in uh, today so I could I could test it, but I don't. So I'll have it next week. Travis, these are awesome. Pi Zero, man, got it off of Amazon. I'm like. I didn't even think you could order Pi Zeros. I thought they sold out like everywhere. And I just went to Amazon. It's like, oh yeah, they're right here. It's like I think it was like twenty bucks for the whole for the heat sink, the case, uh, the Pi Zero. It even has like um, it has uh, adapters for uh, HDMI crap like that. But I, I don't I don't need any of that. I just needed the the one thing I did need is the network adapter. It didn't come with that. So that was fun. Very cool. All right, we we uh we're running running long in time, but I really I have a doom and gloom in here for Je- for Tom. I'm, oh, I was hoping he was. I didn't see it. See, oh, I thought I figured you you were the one that queued this one up. No, for I next discussion up. point. Oh, John, you want to talk about it? Just bring it up. I I saw this. I again, I haven't read enough into it. I was hoping you had more information, but U.S. senators introduce lawful access to encrypted data act. We I know this has come up on and off for years where lawmakers are trying to basically break encryption. And it's so effing scary. And, th- and this is basically, they, they basically, they did it. They're, they're, they're demanding that all encryption they, on all devices have a back door. They put into it them. passed or it's introduced. I, th- I was under the impression it passed. No, it hasn't passed. It's been introduced. It may have passed one stage of the process, but it's never going to get all the way through. Interesting. I thought the reason I put it on here was because it passed. Well, that's good. That gives me hope. That gives me hope. Yeah, this is terrifying stuff, though. Yeah, everything I'm seeing is it's just introduced. Nothing that it's passed yet. Yeah, so the the end game here is unlocking iPhones. They're They're not as concerned or they're not at all concerned about real encryption. They're concerned about unlocking someone's iPhone. And I, this is this is one of those doom and glooms that I, I can't worry about because it's almost completely unenforceable. It's almost technically impossible because if you have something like AES encryption or any existing encryption technology, you can't just add a backdoor to a math problem. It's not possible. Right. You would have right. to, you'd have to mandate duplication of keys and having one of the keys automatically sent to the NSA or whoever. I mean, it's well, that's one of the arguments, though. That the, the, one of the arguments is that if they make this, that encryption is going to get weaker because not just weaker, companies... it'll destroy encryption. 
Well, again, this is the argument. This is the argument from from people in in the field. It's like, listen, you're not going to be able to build back doors for company for for governments to get in there and only have it for the U.S. government. First off, all governments will take advantage of it. Right. And second off, to even build the back door, you have to encrypt. You have to cripple the encryption, which means that 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 surface vector is going to be much simpler for actual hackers to attack. It, th- this bill is being written by the same people who are also saying that we can't install highway uh, or Yway 5G infrastructure because it's sending data to the government of China. Like, well, what do you think they're going to do if we put a backdoor in anything made in America? They're going right. to ban use of all of our technology all over the world. It's, I can't worry about this. It's stupid. And if it happened, it would be monstrously bad. But it's so dumb and misguided that it kind of just can't happen. Mm-hmm. If they got the law passed, yeah. there would be challenges to the Supreme Court immediately from Apple, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and those challenges would go on for 20 years, and they would probably win because forcing a company to break encryption violates the privacy of every user on the platform. So... I mean, it's, I, I see the articles come up. Everyone's saying, like, this is crazy, this is stupid. And I'm like, yeah, it is crazy and stupid. Don't pay attention. It's not worth your headspace. Really? The wow. one doom and gloom that he, that he somehow makes not doom and gloom. That's, exactly. No, no, it's, a, it. it's a bummer that people that the people in power are so unaware of how technology works that they want to do this. But they'll be dead by the time the litigation on it ends. And hopefully it will be repealed by the people we actually put in power after them because they'll understand things better. But like, this is a fight that's going to go on for 10, 15, 20 years. I don't want it in my head for that long. I just mm. I don't. Like, there are much more pressing concerns. Uh, the New Orleans Police Department admitted that it has a 94% false positive on facial recognition. Worry about that. Don't worry about this. This is stupid. And no one would abide it. All right. I'm not going to worry about it. Let's move on. Wrap it up? Oh, there's nothing. I don't think we can move on. I think it's a wrap it up sort of time. What do you think? I, I agree. I agree. Except. <laughs> been fun. Except. Uh, okay. Friend of the show. Freak. Oh, I pu- pulled up the wrong damn slide. <laughs> damn. I, thought you, I thought you were going to Patreons. Friend of, the on, show, friend of the show. Freak Van Herten announced that the, there will now be a monthly Laravel worldwide meetup hosted on YouTube and it's going to be cool. So go and subscribe to that. That uh, that's in the show notes as well, as well. Meetup.laravel.com. So I assume this has some sort of blessing from Taylor. If it's on the Laravel.com domain. Well, it's, it's freak Vanderhurton. So like he could say to Taylor, Hey, you know, if I forked Laravel and called it better Laravel, you would lose all of your clients. Yeah. I mean, this is cool. I, you know, in this day and age where conferences are going online, you know, a monthly worldwide Laravel meetup. Uh, yeah. I, I don't see why not, you know, um, more power to them. It should be fun. I just hope they have better production quality than late night TV, which for some reason doesn't know how to ship a camera and microphone and laptop to somebody. 
It's it's scary that I think we have better production value than some of the late night TV yeah, people. Significantly, do. significantly better. Which is a horrifying thing. Yeah, our content our content still sucks, but you know our production value, our production value has gradually scaled up over the hundred and ninety seven <laughs> shows that we've put together. I mean, I I, I honestly think I have I have a better camera than Stephen Colbert. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. We're going to do it. Speaking of episode 197, which I actually don't even know if that's really the episode. Is that where we're at? Yeah, 197. Yeah. That's it. In the can. We're out of here. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Thank you, Patreons. Keep, Keep it ugly. Thanks, Patreons. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Thank you, Patreons. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly, Patreons. Thanks for listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. If you would like to support PHP Ugly, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash phpugly. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in the PHP Ugly Discord channel. Show notes and RSS feed can be found at phpugly.com. To catch the live stream, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash phpugly. You can also subscribe to the edited podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catcher of choice. A reading of five stars is always appreciated. And finally, thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at diegodev.com. Until next week, keep it ugly.